morning. You know, the Lord has a way of coming through when we need it, doesn't he? He has a way of delivering exactly what we need as his children when we need it. Those songs were great reminders to me, I hope as well to you, as we worship this morning. Um, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Um, we're going to look at that uh, specifically from a boat passage. Who would have thought about that, right? Um, John chapter 21, I want you to go on and get your Bibles ready. John chapter 21. And Jesus has a way of providing exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, exactly in the way that we need to receive it. He just has a way of doing that. Matter of fact, one of the songs that we sang just a moment ago, um, you would know this, back at the beginning of all of the shutdowns, pandemics, confusion, complications that have since plagued our world, um, one of the songs we sang today helped me get through that initial season of it, Graves to Gardens, right? We sang that this morning. Um, just a reminder, you turn your morning, you turn my morning into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. Isn't that good? You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing better than you. That's Jesus. This morning as we look at John chapter 21, we're going to go on another journey with him in the boat, being all in on Jesus. This whole series um, started with one purpose, but it took on another purpose in light of the storms that we've been going through and then the recovery effort that we're all processing through. Um, we began this by just emphasizing that in the midst of world challenges, personal challenges, going all in on Jesus is the only solution for whatever it is, fill in the blank in your life. All in on Jesus and all in on his church, the church being the body of Christ, the people of Christ, and the place that you call home. There's nothing that can replace your relationship with Jesus, and there's nothing in your life that can replace genuinely a home, a church gathering, a group of people where you go, build community, and you grow in your faith. It is your faith that moves you forward through very difficult challenges. And so that's kind of where we started, but then we experienced Ida, right? We experienced another shutdown in our region, and then we experienced Ida, and we've experienced lots of challenges, and then we've been recovering. Um, we've been trying to recover. We've been working through that. So the series kind of took on a life of its own, um, but here's what I've learned in the midst of all of it. Jesus just has a way of providing exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, exactly how we need it, and he's always going to come through for his children, always. Let me give you an example. Um, this past week, of course, as you know, and you can look around and see, you know, we're dealing with um, facility and repair, and gosh, we were making progress. We were just moving forward by faith because we wanted our house to be taken care of even while the world was shut down. And then we went through another hurricane, right? We went through one, then we went to, through another, and here we are dealing with some of the fallout on that. And, and literally, probably like you, I'm going, Lord, can we just catch a break for a moment, right? I mean, that, that challenges us. I think it's challenged some of you personally. Um, it's challenged me as pastor over the church. And, and in, that, in life, we get these types of challenges that are personal to us. 
And you need God to come through exactly how you need him to come through, exactly when you need him to come through, and he's going to do it. Jesus is just that kind of Savior. Well, last week, we're, we're dealing with some deductible issues, you know, on our facility, um, and we had already done that once for uh, Zeta. We have to do it again for Ida, and that's over 100000 for our properties, right? So that's a real number, and I'm going, gosh, we just worked through that by faith. Lord, what are you going to do? Well, this past week, one of our partners um, here in the region who believes in what we do here at Calvary, believes in you, um, sent us a $30,000 check to help cover our deductibles. $30,000. Which is a great reminder. God knows how to come through for you exactly when you need it, exactly how you need it, and exactly what you're going to need. Jesus is just going to deliver. And you can fret, you can stress, you can worry, or you can have faith and you can trust him. And it's also a great reminder um, for those who have been blessed and those um, who know what's most important. Thank you for continuing to be faithful in your giving. Thank you to our, our online family and our online partners who continue to be faithful in your giving. Not only of your tithes, but of your offerings. Because together as a family of faith, we just keep moving forward. We're going to push through this as well. And when you look at John chapter 21, you'll see how Jesus is always just going to come through. When you're in the boat with Jesus, when you're all in with Jesus, and you're all in with the right people, the family of faith, the right people in your life, you're going to see Jesus come through on your behalf every single time. He's just going to do it. That's who he is. We go to John chapter 21, and John chapter 21 tells a story. We're going to read 14 verses. And so as we read this, um, I think perhaps you're going to find yourself in the boat um, with the right people and with the Lord. And he's going to come through, and you can remember that today, that he's going to come through for you. Verse 1 says this, After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples, they were together. So you see this group of believers, right? These followers of Jesus, they are together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Biblical sport. He did the right thing. I'm going fishing, right? But why he said that's pretty important. We'll look at that in a moment. They said to him, we will also go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. It's my kind of trip right there. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. For they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire, fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. 
Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and he drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to ask to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, this is a post-resurrection encounter with a living Savior, Jesus, who's still doing the same type of miracles for his people that he did prior to his crucifixion. He's still proving and building the faith of his children, of those who trust in him as their Lord. And here's one way that he does that. This story reminds me um, of a fishing trip right prior to Ida. You know, it got really hot this summer around here, right? And uh, one of these days, I, I was out with one of my friends here in the church, and we were fishing, and we went early. We, we had this great idea. We were going to go early, and we were going to catch our limit early before it got hot. That was a joke. For some reason on this day, I mean, we're out there, and we're fishing early. And, and I did catch this amazing sunrise, wonderful, wonderful moment. But I didn't catch any fish, right? Neither did he. And so we, we fish up through the morning, and it's, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I think we had one fish. I think I caught it, by the way. But we had one fish in the boat, and about all you can do with one redfish is make fish tacos, which are amazing, by the way. If you ever only catch one redfish, you can make some amazing fish tacos. Um, you got to deal with what you have right in that moment. So we keep fishing. And literally, he's like, well, let's go to this spot. Let's go to this spot. Let's go to this spot. I mean, we hit all of his favorite spots. And, and at this moment, I'm thinking, gosh, you must really not like me as your pastor, right? Can you please just take me to the place where you take your friends? You know, because I, I would like to catch some fish. And uh, <laughs> we fished all the right spots. Everything was right, but the fish weren't biting. And there's this one spot that we go to. We call it the last resort. We should have gone to the last resort first, all right? Because literally on our way out at 1 o'clock. Now, you realize this summer, as the sun gets up, it gets really, really hot. And so, I mean, gosh, we are sweating. I'm like, just take us on a boat ride so we can turn on the air condition, please, right? Because it was that hot and yet no fish. And you don't realize how hot it is when you're catching fish. But when you're catching nothing and you're casting and it's slow... It's really hot, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, let's just go home. This is bad. But we end up at the last resort, the last spot. And we're catching nothing. We're catching nothing. But um, I decided to just change the strategy a little bit. So I start reeling a lot slower because I'm like, well, the fish must be asleep or something. And so literally just fishing along the bottom. And something happened. Boom. I catch this fish, you know, and I get him in the boat. He's like, oh, good. We have two, right? <laughs> Get the fish off, you know, he helps me, puts it in the box. I cast in, reel it real slow, boom, catch another one. Oh, man, look at that. That's pretty cool. We have three. Get the fish off, put it in the box, cast out, boom, another one. I'm like, oh, it's on now, right? This is great. He's like, wait a minute, you know, and he's, he's like scrambling, putting the fish off. He's like, you got to give me a turn. He cast out, boom, 
catches a fish. A few casts later, catch another fish. And literally when the cor- within the course of probably about 20 minutes, we went from a long, grueling day of really nothing that we had anticipated being great to having this great breakthrough moment where we've caught our limit. And it's not just small fish, it's good fish. Like, we're eating good tonight. And it was one of those things that was really one of those memorable trips. But to get to that breakthrough moment, we went through this grueling period of time where we didn't see success, where the challenges were real, where fatigue sets in, where emotionally you just kind of give up, you want to do something else, where you're tired and you're beat down from the sun and the experience and all of that, and you're just ready to throw it in and think that maybe better days are ahead, right? That's what we had gone through on that particular day, and then all of a sudden, here's the breakthrough. Well, Jesus' disciples experienced that on this moment. Jesus came through for them in this moment. And here's the thing. Life gives us those seasons, those moments where you're going to gruel through very unproductive times. Times that are very challenging. Times that come at you where you don't understand everything of, of how you've planned it to work, but it's just not working that way, and, and where you have to endure what seems like a scorching season of life, and the provision is not there, and at least you think it's not there. And, and perhaps in life, when you battle through maybe sickness or financial distress or personal issues, and you're battling through those, you don't think that you're ever going to get through. But I want to tell you, Jesus is going to come through for you. There is going to be a harvest and a haul that is good for you, but you go through these seasons that are dry to get there. You go through these seasons of perseverance to be able to get there. You go through these personal, internal, or maybe external battles, but you're going to get there. And this is pretty fascinating how Jesus reveals these details to his followers in John chapter 21. See, this time they're in the boat, he's on the shore. This time, they're going through it, and he's watching them. But he's still watching. He's still there. He knows what's happening. He's resurrected from the dead. And so he's there watching them, and and they go through this whole experience, and they've caught nothing. And he's like, you hadn't caught anything, have you? No, we haven't, wise guy. No, we hadn't caught anything. And then he says, well, why don't you do the right thing and get on the right side and throw it on the right side of the boat? which is a great lesson for us this morning. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Jesus is a living Savior. He's not a dead Savior. He's not still on the cross. He's not still in the grave. Jesus is a living Savior that reveals to us the right way to live. Jesus is a living Savior that reveals to us the right way to live. And we need to be reminded of that in dry seasons, in seasons that are challenging. Jesus has a way of revealing to us as a living Savior the right way to go, the right way to live, the right way to move forward. And if we listen to him, the harvest, the haul, the breakthrough, it's just around the corner. The drought can't last forever. It can't. The hard times don't last forever. They don't. Jesus is a living Savior. And as, as we listen to him in the boat with him, him in the boat with us, us in the boat with other people who love him and are growing with him, That's how you move through those seasons of life. And you do so by learning how to live the way that he tells you, the right way to live. You see, in this passage, he does some things. And the first thing that Jesus does, he teaches us about himself and how we know we can trust him. 
in the midst of moments that are thin, that are lean, that are challenging, that are difficult. How we know we can trust him is that he is a savior that reveals. He reveals himself. He reveals the way. He reveals the truth. He is a savior that reveals himself. The Bible says in this story three times that Jesus manifested himself to them. Manifest means to make known or to reveal something that was previously unknown. To be manifest means that something that maybe you thought then becomes a reality. It's like you have a dream that comes true. Well, in this case, Jesus reveals himself to them. And what does he do? He is a savior who reveals himself to his children. Watch this. In exactly the way that they need. At exactly the right time that they need it. And he gives them exactly what they need in that moment. That's the kind of revealing Savior that he is. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. And he knows how to give it to you by getting your attention in a very personal way that is real to you. In this story, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with disciples who don't know the direction of their life for the future. That's really what we're dealing with. They already know that Jesus is resurrected. They know that. He's already revealed himself to them personally two other times. So they know that Jesus is alive. They just don't know what to do with it. They know that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, but they're not sure how to proceed at this point in their journey with him. So what do they do? They go back to doing what they know how to do. They go back to doing what they know best to do. And that's very important for you and I because what were they? What were the early disciples? Who were they? They were fishermen. They were people that worked with their hands. They were people that knew how to put in the effort and get the result. That's what they knew to do. And that's no different from what you do today as a mom, as a student, as a husband, as a worker, a co-worker, a boss, that's no different than you today. In everything that you do, God knows how to use exactly that to get your attention. He knows exactly what's important to you. He knows exactly what you're good at or what you desire. He knows exactly your life. And he knows what matters to you in a very detailed way that if you were a fisherman, he would use fishing to get your attention. If you're an athlete, he will use your sports to get your attention. If you're a financier, he will use money to get your attention. If you're a business person, a family person, a brother, a sister, he knows what's important to you and he's going to use that to show you that he is a God who's going to provide for exactly what you need when you need it. And he's going to use what you know to speak to you in that. Isn't that good? Now we're not talking about a savior who's way off. Who's somebody who I love everybody. We're talking about a savior who loves you. 
We're talking about a risen Savior who knows you. We're talking about Jesus who cares about you. And he used fishing to get the attention of the fishermen, the disciples. And he did that to show them that in the midst of something they knew and loved and were passionate about, he had something better for them, even at points when they had worked so hard and produced nothing. This story is really good because if you think about fishing or any other thing that you get excited about, um, you want to celebrate when you get the win. You want to celebrate when something good happens for you. If you ace a test and you make 100, 104, 105, whatever, um, you want to celebrate that with your friends. Or if you're a D student and you make a C, you want to celebrate the C, right? <laughs> you want to celebrate something good. Um, you get a bonus. You want to tell your friends, look, God did something good here. Um, you get engaged. You want to celebrate that. There are things in life that bring about celebration. All of those celebrations usually happen after a period of waiting, of working. Isn't that interesting? That all good things come eventually, but it's usually after a period of you investing yourself, your time, your energy, and then there's the breakthrough. And then you want to celebrate that. Why 153 fish? Not just 153 fish. Why 153 large fish? Come on, gentlemen. Come on, fishermen in the room. Come on, people who like to celebrate. If something good happens for you, you're going to keep count. Yeah, the saints, we, we're going to beat the cowboys 100 to nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, you start thinking about things that you want to celebrate, right? That's prophesying in advance, right? It's what we hope. No, but you think about things that are good. You keep count. You, you watch those things. You want to remember and mark down moments where something good happens. But it's not just that something good happens. It's that something God happens. And we all need moments where something God happens. And something God will happen in your life after these periods of dry, of desert, of labor, of perseverance when you know who you're in the boat with. You're in the boat with him, your faith is with him, and you're in the boat with people who are encouraging and building your faith. All these disciples were together in this moment. And Jesus revealed himself to them exactly how they needed it, exactly when they needed it, and he knew what it took to get their attention. He will do the same for you. Isn't that good? Here's the second thing that we learn about Jesus in our walk with him. He's not just a savior that reveals, but he's a savior that shows the right way. He's not just this personal savior that reveals himself, that manifests himself to us, and he's going to do it. <laughs> Even if you try to ignore him, he's going to do it. He's going to get your full undivided attention by using what matters to you. Even if you've put something in front of him, He's going to get your attention. Now, that's not just for punishment. Sometimes that's what we think. God's going to get my attention and break up my good things or break up my life. No, no, no. He's not a Savior that reveals himself that way simply to do so to prove how awesome and powerful he is. He does so because he's a Savior that shows us the right way. The right way to live and the right way to move forward. 
This is what's fascinating. The disciples are just like you and I. They have labored. They have worked. They have fished all night long. And they've caught nothing. Have you ever felt unfruitful at any season of your life, regardless of how much time, energy, effort, money you have invested into something? And it just didn't get better. Maybe you've never experienced that. And I I hope that you don't if you haven't. But I have. And when you invest and you grind and you push and you, you yearn and you pray and you're hoping and, and it just doesn't seem to improve or doesn't seem to change. When you go through those seasons, what do you want to do? You want to give up? You want to blame? Um, you want to go, woe is me? There are all kinds of emotional things that happen and that's part of who we are as people. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's who we are. And you go through those seasons of life and yet Jesus will do whatever it takes to get your attention to show you that there is a better way, a right way. This picture of the disciples, they've used all of their strength and all of their effort, and they've produced only what they can produce, but they have not produced what God can produce. And so many times in our life, I think that's what we do. We yearn, we strive, we work hard, we go for what we can produce. And if we go only for what we can produce by our mental ability, by our strength, by our financial ability, by our willing ability, whatever it is. And if we go for only what we can produce, then we will only receive what we can produce. But we will not receive what God can produce. And Jesus needed them to learn that. Because they've gone this whole season. They knew Jesus. They've seen him twice. But they're just fishing. (laughs) And Jesus kind of uses fishing to say... Do you want your fish or do you want my fish? Do you want your results in your life, on your business, in your family, in your finances? Do you want it your way or do you want to see what I can do? And when we get in tune with the master of the sea, the one who's in the boat, and we follow him and we do it his way, and that takes faith. When we do it his way, it's the right way, and he brings the right results. That's what he does. He shows them that their strength could only produce, well, nothing. They caught nothing, the Bible says. (laughs) I can relate to that. And then all of a sudden, they get a net full that doesn't break. That's a miracle unto itself. 153. And how did they catch them? Uh, Different translations say it different way, but I I think it's real simple. I love it. Um, Some of them just really say, hey, children, Cast your net on the right side. Now, I'm not talking about your left or right political leanings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about cast your net on the right side. Go the right way. Do what I've told you to do as the Savior, as the one in whom you trust, as the one who can bring you more than you can bring yourself. Trust me and do it this way. Do you know what the disciples did? I think this is fascinating because here they show their growth. Do you know what they did? Okay. Yeah, we've been fishing all night. Yes, we've caught nothing. Yes, we're tired. Sure, we probably don't believe that there's any more fish on this side than there are on this side. I mean, it's just, come on. That little tweak. But it's like slowing down the retrieve on your lure when you're fishing on a hot day. You slow it down just to a crawl. 
And just something right about the difference in what you're doing, going a different direction, a right direction that God would instruct you to do, produces an entirely different result than you could have received on your own. See, Jesus in this moment is a very personal, revealing Savior, and he wants to do that for all of us in the things that are important to us in life. But in so doing, when he reveals himself to us and the things that are important to us in our life, he also does that to get our attention to steer us to go in his direction, to apply his right direction to our lives. He's not just given us 153 fish to go, woohoo, praise God, look at what God did. That's the first step. The next step is actually to get to that point, we have to adjust our course. We have to change from one thing to another thing. And that's what Jesus asked them to do. He's a savior who reveals himself, but he does that to show us the right way. And so they cast on the right side of the boat and they're not able to haul in the great number of fish, 153 large ones. And I love this because Simon Peter gives a great expression uh, of how we should respond um, when Jesus gives us moments like that after a season of dryness. Simon Peter, you know, he's like John, who we think is John, the apostle who Jesus loved. John um, says, hey, it's the Lord. Simon Peter's like, it's the Lord. And the Bible says, tell me the scripture doesn't have a sense of humor. The Bible says he threw himself into the sea. How do you throw yourself into the sea, by the way, right? But that, that just tells you, like, with all of his strength, with all of his awareness, with all of his emotion in this moment, he knew that was Jesus. He knew Jesus had come through for him. He literally <laughs> threw himself in the sea. Like, everything within him couldn't contain himself from getting to where Jesus was. I mean, he's out there. He's strong. He's a fisherman. He's like, whoa, you know, let's go to where he is. The right direction. The right response. And the right direction and the right response when Jesus reveals himself to you is what's going to produce more of this. This moment is a moment that moved the disciples further down the road to becoming the people who went from just fishing to becoming the people that helped you and I ultimately know today who Jesus was, what Jesus did. They moved out of this hiding phase of life into this phase of life where filled with the Holy Spirit, they would do even what Jesus did in revealing who he was. It's a big win. It's a big moment. It's a great celebration, but it happens because of this. And this is the final thing. When I look at Jesus, I realize that I should go all in with him, with his church, with his people, with my faith in him, because he is a savior that reveals himself. He is a savior that shows the right way, but he's able to do this because he is a resurrected Savior. You see, the story ends by saying, and this is the third time that Jesus did this for them after he was resurrected. The third time. You can go and look in John chapter 20 and you see the other two times. The first time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, they were hiding, they were afraid. That's what the Bible says. They were hiding and they were afraid. So this, at that point, they're not fishing. They're not trying to do normal. They're not trying to rediscover what normal is. They're hiding. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. Jesus shows up in that moment in the room. And he's like, behold, my hands, my side, 
Everybody take a look. And they're like, whoa, it's Jesus. And he says, peace to you. And what a great word. There's only a problem. There's only one problem with that event is that there's a disciple who's not there, the one who doubts him, the one who believes you can't do this. He doesn't come back from the dead. Thomas. Thomas is missing in the first account. And so he says, look, unless I see him and I can put my finger in his hand and I can take my hand and put it in his side, I am not going to believe that Jesus is risen and that Jesus can do this. Nope. Y'all must have seen something, drank something, something's wrong with y'all. But unless I get empirical evidence in my way that he did that, that Jesus come through, I do not believe you. So a few verses later, Jesus shows up again. Oh, and guess who's there? Thomas. And what does Jesus say to Thomas? Hey, Thomas, what's up? Take your finger and put it in the holes in my hand. And you said you wanted to take your hand, which I think is really weird, but I get what Thomas was saying. Take your hand and just go all up in here and feel this, because that's where they poke that spear, right? Just stick your hand in my side. And Thomas is like, my Lord and my God. I am sorry for unbelieving. I am sorry for being doubting Thomas, which, by the way, I mean, he's reflective of many people today. Perhaps you, perhaps some of you, you doubt that God can come through for you and deliver a great haul, a great breakthrough, a great victory. Well, a dead Savior can't do that, and a dead God can't do that, and a human God can't do that, but a living Savior, resurrected Savior, Jesus, he can and he will every time. Now, I don't know how he does it. But I know that he will use what you need to know, the way that you live, the scenarios that you're working through, to reveal himself that he's there, that he's present, that he loves you. I know that in the moments when you're walking through those seasons of life, not only will he reveal himself to you in the way that's important to you, in the way that he will get your attention, you will listen, but he will reveal an adjustment, a right way, because he is a savior that doesn't just do good things for the sake of doing good things. That's what we want, but that's not what he wants. He's a savior that when he reveals himself by doing good things, he does it to get our attention to change our course, to go on the right side, his side, the right way to follow his instructions. And in doing so, what does he do? What does he prove himself to be in all of this? He doesn't prove himself to be a figment of your imagination or coincidence or a good day fishing. He proves himself to be the risen living son of God in the lives of those who trust him. He is a resurrected savior. And do you know what we need in seasons like this, in seasons where it's thin, where it's dry, where it's challenging, where it's difficult? We not only need a resurrected Savior, but we need a resurrected faith that has resurrection power. A resurrected faith that has resurrection power. I mean, here's the reality of the seasons of life for many people. Not only... Have you been dealing with a pandemic, with challenges? But perhaps your faith has been through a pandemic. In some regards, maybe you've been inoculated against God. In some regards, maybe your attention has been consumed more by the things that God needs to use to get your attention than by the God who's in charge of all of those things, who will bring you a breakthrough once you start striving all the time to produce what only you can produce. And instead, to humble your heart before him in faith, 
a living, resurrected Savior who can change it all. I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And, and here's the response point today. For some, let's just be real honest. You're not even in the boat with Jesus. I mean, in reality, you're fishing on your own. You're doing it all on your own. And you've never taken the leap to throw yourself into the ocean of God's love and provision of a saving relationship with the Son of God who does have all the authority. I mean, he proved in this moment that he's still the same Jesus that did miracles before he died. He can still do them after he died. He can do that for you, but you've never jumped in the boat with Jesus. I mean, he's kind of waving at you from the shore of your life going, hey, you're out there, but do you want what I can give you? And if you've never asked Christ by faith to genuinely save you by repenting of just doing it your way, but surrendering to a genuine trust, then today is your day. This moment is your moment, and I don't have to tell you that. The Holy Spirit is telling you that right now. Jesus is speaking to your heart. You know it right now. And for some of you, it's just time to say, yes, Jesus, I want to open up my life, and I want you to come in. I want you to reveal yourself, your love, your power to me, but I want you to steer me in a new direction because you're a resurrected Savior. If that's what Jesus is doing in your heart right now, then don't say no. Grab yourself by your own collar right now and just say, Jesus, I'm throwing myself into you by faith, and I want you to save me. That could be for those of you in the room today or definitely for those of you in our online family. And you can do that in just a moment when we pray by saying, Jesus, it's time for me now, and I want to respond with a yes to you. But if you've already done that, for some of you, you know that there was a season of life where you said yes to Jesus and you trusted him by faith. And so your salvation and your security is good, but you're just fishing. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, maybe not real fishing, but you're just fishing. In other words, you're just doing what you know to do. But it's time to move the nets to the other side, to Jesus' side. It's time to change the pattern to another way, Jesus' way, so that you can receive more than what you can get on your own. You can receive as a child of God who has trusted him before but needs to be awakened in your spirit again to the resurrected Jesus and his resurrected power in your home, in your business, in your life, in your recreation, in all things so that you can receive and share what God is going to do for you. Let's bow our heads and Humble our hearts, most importantly, because I know that the Holy Spirit is working today. And I know that he's speaking in your hearts today and in those of you in our online family. So with our, our heads and our hearts humbled before God first, if you're a person who is yet to jump all in with Jesus, right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And you know, you know that's true. And there's no one that matters more than Jesus as he speaks to you. And you know that in your heart right now he's saying, My child, I love you and I've been working to get your attention. And today it's time to trust me with your soul. But not just with your soul, with your life. Today if you know that is you and you're, you're hearing him speak and you know it's time to say yes. And very privately and personally right now, 
I just want to pray with you. And from your heart, in words perhaps similar to these, but your own, I just want you to say, Dear Jesus, thank you for knowing who I am and how to get my attention. Today, I, I need to turn from my way and I need to repent. I need to turn to you. Today, I surrender my heart and my life, my soul to you. Would you enter into my life today, Jesus, by your spirit and save me as the Son of God and move me ahead with you in life. If you've prayed that and something like that, then today you've walked into a new relationship with God. And with our, our heads bowed and us continuing to pray, if you did that, would you just lift your hand this morning if that was something that was important to you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, for you online, if you've done that, let us know. It's that important. And as we continue to pray this morning, child of God, Christian. Child of God. Jesus said to the disciples, children. And children, that means that they trust in those who are above their lives. Children, child of God, those who claim his name by faith. Are you all in with him? Are you tired of striving? Do you need the breakthrough? then why not just ask for it right now? Jesus, I thank you for your sons and your daughters who are your children by faith right now. They know that, but they're tired. They're working, they're doing what they know to do, and they need you spiritually, supernaturally in some way to bring a great catch in their lives, a great haul, a great moment of victory. God, I pray on their behalf and we pray together that you will do that even now. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what you do. Jesus, you're a God who saves us forever, but you save us today first. And we're thankful for that as we pray in your name. Amen. Isn't that good? Not only to know him as a savior who reveals himself to you exactly in the way that you need to know, but as a God who shows the right way because he's a living savior. And he's going to help us come through, whether it's entrusting him with our homes, our jobs, our finances, our church, and yes, our faith. As we trust him, he's a God, he's a savior that's going to come through. He's going to win the battles that we fight. He's going to help us overcome the challenges. He's that kind of Savior. And what does it take? All in. All in on Him and all in the boat. I think there's no better place to be. And as we remember that and celebrate that today, I want us to sing that. Why don't you stand to your feet today and let's proclaim this anthem of our faith. <laughs>